So if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to, oh, I went to the wrong script. I'm glad I looked. 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy. For some reason, I was in 2 Timothy. That wouldn't have been good. Huh? 1 Timothy 6. And go with me to um, mark off my page here. 1 Timothy 6. And let's go to verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and certain, it is certain, we carry nothing out. And having food and remnant, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and, un- and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drawn men in destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. I pray, God, this morning you will help us to go back to the foundations of our faith. Help us, Lord God, to Start over to move forward in righteousness. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I think sometimes the church needs to get back to the basics. There is an importance of prayer, and we know that. Many of you in this room have prayed in in some of the most troubling times of your life and not even in the most troubling times sometimes you're praying for others because they're going through troubling times some of you you're not going through troubling times and people you know aren't going through troubling times but you pray for the will of God to be done in your life and then there's the importance of loving one another oh that's a touchy subject in the church today Loving one another. Do I really have to? I have this young lady in our church that calls me, or I talk to her sometimes. And she'll always say to me, tell your wife and your sister hello. Tell them hi for me. I said, do I have to? And she laughs. As she is this morning. She chuckles. 
But it's a great pleasure to tell them, to speak to them. How many go home and, and when you get home, you see your wife and, or, or perhaps your, your, your husband and you just light up. It's like, oh, my bride is home. Oh, <laughs> yes, Karen, you have to. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she got me. <laughs> now I got to start all over. I missed my whole line. <laughs> but there is an importance. When we gather together and we greet one another in the name of the Lord, we, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. We all should get along. Then there are some who, they don't like the music in the church. There are some who don't like, I preach too long. Or I don't preach long enough. Or I don't preach on money enough. Or whatever. But my excitement comes when I get to see all of you. I get a smile on my face because I'm knowing I'm meeting together with God's family. This is a family that God gave us. And because of that, I can be happy. I'm like, I know I can come to church and I know all my brothers and sisters are going to love me. I noticed Virginia left the room. Karen. Aren't we glad we're getting back to the basics of the church? Thank you. Thank First Timothy six through eleven. But then there's the importance of loving souls. It's not the same as loving one another, as we all should be doing as loving one another. But there's an importance in loving souls. Loving those souls that don't know Jesus Christ. Because we got to remember, when Jesus came as a baby, he didn't come just for all of us sitting in this church this morning. He came to seek and to save what? The lost. He came to save the whole world. And when I begin to think of that, and I begin to think of the massive population that we have on this earth, I'm thinking... He bit off more than he could chew. No, he didn't. He didn't bite off more than he chewed. How do I know that? Because he created the heavens and the earth. This is all his. And all the inhabitants are his. Isn't that awesome to think? That all of this belongs to him. And when you begin to think, when they get up there and the, the Elon people and the other people, they go shoot up in there and they get to look down on the earth and they see this big blue marble, how awesome that must be. Then you can look from space at Earth and say, wow. Not because you're in space, not because you spent millions of dollars to get on a spaceship so you can look back at it, but to think that this is what God created. That in itself is just, it just has to be the most awesome experience ever. And then there's the importance of loving each day in the light of his coming. See, every day is a new experience for us 
as the body of Christ. Every day we should be having a new experience with the Lord Jesus Christ, experiencing the love and the glory and the honor that he bestowed on us when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. But Paul calls for a return to the basics of daily living here. Success in the eyes of the world. What is that? What is success in the eyes of the world? Well, I can tell you what it is. It's fame and fortune. That's what the world is seeking. That's what those who don't have a relationship with Christ, that's what they're looking for. But true success is loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart and thy soul and thy mind. That's true success. You see, because without Jesus Christ, we don't have anything. You know, I begin to think about the people in the world that we live in today when they think of, well, when they die, that's just it. That's this hopelessness. You see, I look forward to death. Why? Because I'm going to be in the light of the presence of the Lord God Almighty forever. That's what I look forward to. Knowing that that the baby that came and rose to be a man who died on the cross is going to let me live with him for eternity. I heard a preacher the other day, and I've, I've thought about this many times, but not really given it a lot of thought, when he was talking about eternity. He said a lot of people think about eternity when it comes to death. While when they die, that's it. Some people say, well, when they die, they're just dead forever. But not me. I think when I die, I'm going to live forever. Eternity started the day that I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's when eternity started. And to think about that from being with Jesus from this time till endless time. It's just... It's just an excitement. You know, some people say they don't want to live past 100. I wouldn't mind living to about 135, 140. Ah, let's go for 180. There you go. Let's just round it off to two. No, let's not go that far. You see, that's what some people would do. Oh, I don't want to live that long. I don't want to live that long. I remember being in middle school and I was thinking when I heard of people that were 40 years old, I thought, I'll never live to see 40. That is so old. Man, they must struggle. And now I'm 58 and I think 100 doesn't look so bad. That's not that far away. Some of you that may be in your 80s, 150 doesn't look so bad. It's not that far away. Further than you think. You know why I know that? Because the aches and pains start creeping in. All those things that you don't want to think about as you get older, start showing up. But look at what he says in verse 6. 
But godliness with contentment is great gain. It must begin with the response to the gospel. That's where he's going here. There's no way to achieve godliness apart from the word of God. There, you cannot read your way into godliness. You cannot meditate your way into godliness. You cannot work your way into godliness. You cannot worship your way into godliness. You cannot give your way into godliness. You see, salvation is a free gift. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you see, this, this is all a free gift. We don't have to work for these things. They are a gift from God that you receive by what? Faith. But all these things may be a part of becoming godly after salvation. You see, the Bible is our route to godliness. When we read God's word, you don't read it just to say, okay, I've read the Bible through in a year. No, when you're reading the word of God, what are you wanting from it? You're wanting God to speak to you from it. You're wanting God to show you something from it. Something that will, something that will advance your life. Something that will advance your thinking. Something that you will spread to someone else. Something you will share with someone else. It's called spreading the gospel. Prayer is also a route to godliness. When we prayed, what did we do? What was your prayer to God when you first started praying? Your prayer to God was, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Cleanse my heart from all unrighteousness. Make my heart white as snow. Lord, forgive me of my sin. You see, that's the most powerful prayer you can give to the Lord Jesus. To ask him to remove what you know is sin in your life. And asking him to enter in and to take up residence in your life. That's the, that's the most precious gift you can give to Jesus. Is your heart. You see, no one else can give their heart. But you. I can't pray you into heaven. And you know what? I can't pray you out of heaven. You see, that's the importance of the word of God. That's the importance. This is what we, we, did, we, we receive when we read. We receive words from God that, that, that help, what? Encourage us. That tells us how to live. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, okay, once you get married, you can go have numerous affairs. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell you once, you, once you're saved, you can go rob the bank so you can pay your bills. No. You see, there is a guideline that Jesus has given us. You know, I, I used to tell kids, if you, if you live by the Ten Commandments, you'll do pretty good. You give your heart to Jesus first, and then you want to know how to live? Use the Ten Commandments as a guideline. Oh, but that's only in the Old Testament. That's not true. They're in the New Testament too. See, I always tell people, you just can't say, well, the Old Testament was for then, and we're under the blood, so we just had the New Testament. God's given us the whole Word of God. Not that we throw out the old. We have to live by the whole. 
You know, it upsets me sometimes when people do that to me too. I think they do it to aggravate me. They try to stir me up. Try to cause me to sin. But I serve a Lord and a Savior who has taught me over the years and it's taken some teaching how to control my tongue, how to control my anger, how to control issues that go on around me, to, to be able to focus on the holiness of Jesus Christ and ask the holiness of Jesus Christ to be instilled in me so that I can speak with patience, so that I can speak with kindness, so I can speak in love. Why? Because I'm asking Jesus to speak through me. I'm asking Jesus to live through me. Why? Because this is not mine. This belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just using the vessel that God has given me to declare the truth of God's word. Worship is a route to godliness. I tell you this morning, when we sung that last song, Here I Am to Worship, you can feel the presence of God. Yes, we sang it over and over, but it seemed like the more we sang it, the stronger His presence felt. You see, why? Because all of us were yielding up our hearts to God. Here I am to worship. You know, I love to worship the Lord Jesus. It's not about my voice singing. I don't have the greatest voice in the world. I can't carry a tune in a wet bag. But you know what? Praise be to God because he says in his word, I don't have to. He says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So it's not about how good I can sing, it's about making a joyful noise unto the Lord. Praise God. So if you come in here and you say, well, you know, I can't sit over there because so-and-so, they don't sing so good. Well, you're in the wrong church. You're in the wrong church because this church ain't a good singing church. We're just making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And if you're watching this morning, we want to invite you to come and worship with us, even if you can't sing. Because you can make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Praise God. Can you say praise God? Praise God that we don't have to try to please other people. The only person I have to worry about pleasing is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's what counts. How do I know that? Because when I leave this earth and the final judgment day comes, I want him to be, when he's flipping through the book and he's calling out names, oh, there's that Dave Murphy. Your name's right here. Come on in. I don't want to be standing before my Lord Jesus Christ and he's looking through the book. And, and, I, and I'm saying, you sure somebody didn't put me on the light? Maybe they changed me. Maybe they put my new name first. I don't want him to say, department for me, for I know you not. I don't want to hear. I wouldn't want to hear those words. I can't imagine how chilling, how chilling it's going to feel when you've Worship the Lord Jesus Christ in your lifetime and you've turned your back from and you've walked away from and now you're standing before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he says to you, he knows you not. 
to me, that would have to be the most chilling thing that you could ever hear. Our devotional life leads us to godliness. You see, we should be having a devotional time with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is, this is all getting back to the basics. This is all about starting over. There are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts to heaven. There are many in the world that are looking for shortcuts, but when it comes to salvation, there are absolutely no shortcuts. You can't buy your way in. You can't read your way, read your way in. You can't, you can't work your way in. You can't worship your way in. You have to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the only way. The Word of God says He is the only way to God. So contentment and godliness, what a combination. How many are content with your life? How many can say this? Well, I'm content with, with everything where, where God has me right now. I'm content. I'm content with where God has me. But when God's ready to move me forward, I want to be content in moving forward. I don't want to say, no, I've done enough. I'm right, you know, I mean, God, I, I know you're looking down on me. and You know, my age and the aches in my bones and the creaks in my back. You know, those migraines that pop up from time to time. Yeah, please take all that into consideration when I don't go out and share the gospel. No, no. This is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. I'm going to get up and I'm going to move forward in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to get up and I'm going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole world, to anybody that will listen to me. Yes, I've had some people say to me, to my face, don't preach to me. Well, fine, I won't. Cast my power, cast my pearls before no swine. I won't preach to them, but I will say this before I walk away. Grant you this. I, it may not be the last word, but it will be my last word to them. Jesus Christ loves you. Despite what you think about him. They may not want to hear it. They may not want you to preach to them. Don't preach to them, but you assure them that Jesus Christ loves them despite what they think about him. You see, it's important that they know. It's important that they, know. Don't pre they don't want you to preach, don't preach to them. But I'm telling you, you need to get that out there to them. Because somewhere down the road, a light may come on. The filament may get fixed or they may change the bulb. Something is going to kick in and they're going to remember those words that you said. Jesus Christ loves me no matter what I think of him. Why? Why does he love me like that? Because he created you. He knew you from the foundations of the world. And he has brought you into being to worship him. To love him. No one 
can walk close to God while they're complaining. No one can know true contentment apart from a walk with God. So you see, contentment comes from focusing on what we have. Matter of fact, in Isaiah, he says in Isaiah 26.3, that will keep him in perfect peace. Those whose mind stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. You see, God keeps our mind sharp because why? We study his word. We read his word and he keeps it active and alive. And when we can share it with other people, discontentment comes from focusing on what we don't have. All those things that we don't have, if you don't have it, don't worry about it because you've never had it, you won't miss it. You know who used to tell me that all the time? My mother. That's right. She said, why are you worried about what you don't have? You didn't have it to begin with. True words. But in verses 9 and 10, he begins to talk to us about understanding the danger of being rich. Yet, this is a goal of many people in the world. They want to become wealthy. The sorrow that accompanies riches are these things. The care of keeping such holdings. The danger to loved ones and considering the life of the stars. They're, they're, they're wanting to have all the riches of this world. And they want to have all the comforts of this world. But none of those things are going to matter when you leave this world. Because what does he say? You came with nothing, you leave with nothing. Now, I'd make a lot of rich people upset right now. I'm, if they're watching, they're probably never going to listen to me again. You have it now, but you ain't going to have it later. Nobody's going to pack your coffin with all that money. They might leave a check in there or something. You know, something that they get. While they spend all your money, they're going to give you a check that you're never going to cash. Yeah, <laughs> Laugh now. You'll see when, you, when your children get a hold of you. Listen. The greatest gift, church, that we have is the Lord Jesus Christ. That gift we have now. That gift we're going to have when we leave this earth. Why? Because we're going to be living in the presence of Almighty God. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Hallelujah! So he has said, you have me now, you'll have me then, you'll have me for eternity. Praise God. I don't have to worry about trying to pack him up in a suitcase. We're good. And when I think, oh man, when I think of that, it just excites me. When I get, get to knowing that I'm going to be in his presence forever. That, that I have him now, I can embrace him now, I can read his word now, and I can see all these things that he's told me, all the promises that he's laid before my life, all the ways he's told me how to live, and then think about all those exciting things, and I have all that now, just think of how much more I'm going to have when I'm in his presence. Amen. Woo! Yep. The food, mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, what? And you won't have to cook a thing. You show up at the table. Ah, isn't that awesome? All the donuts you could think of. 
all the strawberry cheesecake. Better yet, all the pumpkin cheesecake. Have you ever had that at Olive Garden? It's not a plug for them, but they have a pumpkin cheesecake there that won't quit. It's not good for you. Can't be. Because it's too good. The only time I have it is during Thanksgiving. They take it away because they'll know what it'll do to me. But you notice what he says in here. This is the part the world gets messed up. The love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. You see, some people get that messed up. Well, you can't like money. Because if you like money, you're, you're a sinner. It's not, it doesn't say that at all. It just says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not having all the money, but when you love it, you have it so much of it, you got to keep it. And you got to keep getting more. And you got to keep getting more because this what I have is not enough and I may outlive that. So I got to have more to make sure I don't outlive it all. Reminds me of the guy. Remember he built the barns? Had to store up all of his stuff. Had all that stuff in there. And what did the Lord say to him? This night, your life will be taken. And he had all this stuff. What's the purpose of having all this stuff? There's no purpose of having all this stuff. Give this stuff away. There are people who need stuff. What are your goals? What are your goals? Well, our first goal should be righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Is that what we're doing? Are we seeking first the kingdom of God? Are we truly looking for righteousness in our life? Godliness, here it is again. It's near to the heart of God. We're not perfect people. Got that? We're not perfect people. We're not perfect people. None of us are perfect. If you think you are perfect, please move outside. I don't want to get struck by the lightning that's going to get you. But listen, no one's perfect. I know it's hard to tell this to my wife, but honey, I'm not perfect. There's only one perfect person that I know of. And that's the Jesus that I serve. He's the only one. Born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and died on a cross for you and me. His blood was shed for you and me. He's the only perfect person I know. There are a lot of people who think they're perfect or who are Trying to be perfect. I'm, now, I'm, I'm working on that part. And I know that perfect is not going to come until Jesus takes me home. And then there's faith. The power of faith. The power of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. How many have faith this morning? Do you have faith to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you? I have faith to believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I never saw him. 
I didn't see it happen. But I have faith to know that my Jesus died for my sins. Now, some people in the world, they say there's no Jesus, there's no God. I don't have enough faith to believe that. It's, in, it's impossible for me to believe that. Because it's those same people that when in the midst of trouble come to you and say, can you pray for me? Why? Pray for you for what? You said there's no God. What, what? I don't understand. But it's those same people that come to you in the midst of their troubles wanting you to pray for them. I love it. I just instills more faith. I gets my faith even stronger, even in the midst of the storm and, and things are going awry. And I'm like, okay, Lord, where are you at? It's 11.59 and 59 seconds. Where are you? And poof, there he is. He's never late. Never, ever late. Love. We all need it. The great need of the church is love. There is so much going on in the world that tries to separate, that tries to bring in all the elements of the outside world, and they try to bring it into the church to talk about separation. I don't care what color your skin is on the outside. Every one of us bleed red. I don't care what you look like on the outside. I know that your heart is the same as mine. How do I know that? Because God lives in me. And in my heart, he wants me to depart love. He wants me to share love. Patience. Waiting for God to work out his will. How many have patience? Talk about going back to the beginning. So many of us lack patience, and I still do from time to time. Especially when I'm driving and the traffic gets jammed up. I have no patience. But God gives me those subtle little drops in my mind. Hey, here's a great time to spend some time with me. Because you're going to be sitting here for the next 30 minutes. Let's talk. You ever thought about that? But no, we're sitting there and holding down that well. Oh, I wish. No. Spend time. Spend time with the Lord. Because He is the one that we love. And then there's the meekness. Humility. When I think of Moses, a man who could be used, I begin to think of humility. So this morning, the question is, what is God doing in your life? What is God doing in your life? If you, do you ask yourself that question? Do you ever ask yourself... What is God doing in me? How is God using me? What are your needs? You see, it doesn't matter what your needs are because God is the one who takes care of them. He's already worked it out.
But see, church, we don't lean upon those things. See, we, we have to get back to the basics of the church. We have to get back to the basics of where God wants us to be as a body of Christ. Loving one another. Remembering why he came as a little baby. Why he grew to be a man. And why he left this earth. And you can t- the simple answer to that is this. You. He did it all for you. Think about that just for a second. A little baby that you have birthed, you couldn't see being crucified for the world. But yet God sent his only begotten son as a baby. Knowing from the day that he took his first breath, he was going to die for you. That's a huge undertaking. But that's how much God loves you. And church, that's how much we should love the world. For that. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you sent your son, Jesus, for us. Lord, there are many things that we could dwell on today. There are many things that we could think about when it comes to the world. But Lord, this morning, we want our focus to be just on you. Lord, as you've given your life for us this morning, your blood was shed on Calvary for us this morning. And Lord, I can only lift my hands and praise you this morning because of the great gift that you have given to me, salvation. But Lord, you didn't give that to me alone. You gave it to the world as a whole. Salvation. Lord, I pray as we go into this Christmas season, may that burn within our hearts. May we yearn for a fellowship with you. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for this this morning because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.